Bleach is the studio album debut by American rock band Nirvana, released on June 15, 1989 by Sub Pop. It is the only Nirvana album released on the Sub Pop label and their only album to feature drummer Chad Channing. Bleach did not chart upon initial release, but was well received by critics when reissued internationally by Geffen Records in 92, following the success of Nirvana's second album, Nevermind, Bleach peaked at number 89 on the Billboard 200 and 33 on the UK album charts. Bleach had sold 40,000 copies in North America before the release of Nevermind, and it has since been certified platinum and sold more than 1.9 million copies in the United States alone. Indinio, the producer, billed the band 30 hours of recording at the princely sum of $606.17. Jason Everman, a guitarist who was impressed by Nirvana's demo, supplied the money. He briefly joined the group as a second guitarist. He was credited as a guitarist on the album sleeve and uh, as the other guitarist on the album cover, even though he did not perform on the album. Bassist Chris Novoselic explained we wanted to make him feel at home in the band. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice, Brad? Very nice. Very heartwarming. Yes, I'm here too. Keep going. Doing a great job. $606.17 to make this. Money well spent. Money well spent. Do you like it? Look, it's... um... It's an album where if I had heard this before I knew of Nirvana, I, you know, if this was my first, hey, Brad, check out this new band, Nirvana, I would have gone. I wouldn't have expected them in two years to take over the world and change the face of music. What do you think? Well, I've never heard of them before. I think they've got a bright future ahead of them. As long as they stay <laughs> away from drugs and loose women, they're going to be okay, Brad. They're, they're going to do well. <laughs> the problem problem is he's left-handed. Southpaws never get anywhere in, in life. Ah, oh, he's been touched by the devil. Oh, mm. stay away. Mm. Um, yeah. Screaming vocals I, and loud quiet. It's never going to go anywhere. I, um, I remember Nirvana hit big. Everybody and their cat and dog was into them. Um, all the dorks who liked Phil Collins suddenly switched into metalheads and loved Nirvana. And I avoided Nirvana like a plague for about a year. And then I finally gave in and listened to Nevermind and couldn't stop listening to it. Just played it on loop, loved it. And a little while later, someone gave me a dub, as usual, <laughs> of Bleach. I got a dub and uh, thought, wow. These guys are metal as fuck. These guys are great. Like it was a lot heavier than never mind. Yeah. Notes. And uh, I really I really dug it. I dug it back then. I thought everything was great. Oh yeah, so you got it from a, a high speed dub. High speed yeah. dubbing was the best. Yeah. Uh I being being a younger man came to Nirvana a bit later and I'd heard about a girl on the unplugged, right? I was like, that was 
their acoustic single and I was like, that's a catchy fucking song. And like I knew Nirvana, but I wasn't a massive fan. And like, yeah, Unplugged came out and I loved it. And then straight after that, I bought In Utero. And my brother was like, you're not going to fucking like In Utero. You're going to hate it. And I was just like putting it on straight away. Like this is where I should have been all these years. In Utero was great, great. But flipping back, listening to About a Girl, you know, they, uh, he says on the start of the track, you know, this is off our first record. Most people don't own it. And so I had to hunt out Bleach. And I think I picked it up at Real Groovy in Auckland. And uh, it was definitely a different listen. About a Girl was my in. And then the rest of it, uh, it was a slow grow, you know, like it was a bit too. They turned all the highs off. You know, it was a bit too sludgy for me. It wasn't the polish of Nevermind, and it didn't have the clarity of mix that a neutro had. You know what I mean? So I just sort of, yeah, I didn't feel it at first. But on repeated listens, it definitely grows. But about a girl is the is the hit. That's the way in, for sure. Yeah, I think I heard about a girl first on this album and thought it was a great song um, I think the unplugged version probably better yeah I don't know agree it's better recorded um, but it's a great song either way um, apparently he stayed up all night listening to with the Beatles the album with the Beatles over and over and over again for 10 hours straight and then in the morning he wrote about a girl Okay. Which, you with know, it's the Beatles was with like the Beatles. one of my mum's albums. That was the only Beatles album she had. And I used to listen to that over and over again when I was a little kid. I loved it. This, yeah. The second one. I can't think of any songs off it. And I'm not going to do a quick Google, but any Beatles album's a fucking good album, right? It was a classic one. It was a rocking album, too. Rocking, catchy. Pretty cool stuff. Um, yeah, but I mean, you can tell he used, it's real simple, like, ble- it's not Bleach, um, about a girl compared to the rest of the album. is a, It's about the only pop song, right? Like the rest is um, just pretty, well, it's grunge really, isn't it? Sludge metal is the term that's in front of me here. Yeah, rockin' it's punky metal, kind of. Yeah. I don't reckon it's fast enough for punk. I don't reckon it's fast enough for punk. It's, you know, it's like a, it's heavy metal. That's how I picture it, you know? Yeah, no. Were the Ramones that punky? (laughs) They totally were. Were they? (laughs) They were pretty much a pop band. Stuff up here. Um, Do you see? I was just loving the lyrics. Actually, just the repetitive lyrics I thought were great. There was stuff you could hang your hat on, even though they were pretty simple stuff. Like, just remember hearing, um, wouldn't you know it, just my luck. Wouldn't you know it, just my luck. It's kind of like, I can, I get it. I know where you're coming from. I get it. Yeah. I can relate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty simple. You can tell it's a first album, you know, style yeah. of songs and, and the lyrics. but. 
in that for me listening to this when I tracked it on, you know, in in preparation for this episode, I was like, okay, I know what I'm in for. I know the album, listen to it, you know, since I was like back in 14, 15. And going, yeah, I know I'm gonna love, you know, the, the songs that hang on, I'm just scrolling through my track list. About a girl I remember loving school, I remember was like, yeah, this is sweet. You know, um, no recess. Love Buzz, I always dug because it was just, that was my first sort of avant-garde, crazy guitar solos. Enjoyed it. And then, you know, I kind of knew the rest. When I heard them, I'd go, oh, yeah, this isn't a great song, but I know it. Negative Creep, I'd always known. But I was listening to it, I was blasting down the motorway and Negative Creep came on and it just hit me like, fuck this is a great song and this is you know it was like the to me that's the genesis of the nirvana energy you know i think kurt kind of went i don't know it's just a weird riff him screaming it sounds like the kurt that you know from Nevermind. the kurt you know from uh in utero seems to have found his voice a negative creep and that's where i see i think that's easily the highlight of the album your thoughts on negative creep thought it was an epic song when I first heard it. I think it's a great song. It's just uh, yeah. rocking along. Apparently, Kirk Bain used to be a huge Metallica fan, and his favorite song was Whiplash. And I no idea hear, what you're talking about. Well, Negative Creeps, not like Whiplash, but it's kind of like Whiplash in the way that it's just full on. Uh-huh. Uh, I can kind of hear that in it. Uh, it's just a great song. Love Buzz. I remember listening to that on repeat. I was a little yeah. disappointed when I found out it was a cover. I can't. Uh, but, Agreed. But it's still a great song, and just like he's an underrated guitar player, you know, like the guitar playing is really good on those songs. It's not like easy peasy stuff. Yeah, really good. Yeah, it's tight, and he it hits it's, it all. It's like a super talented band on their first tryout, and you know. Uh, what recorded in 33 hours, six, 600 bucks. Like they blasted through it. There wasn't like a producer yeah. sitting there fine tuning everything. And, you know, it's, it's got that, it's raw. It's, it, it shows. It's, rough, it's like, it's, they it's went to young and inexperienced and furious. Yeah. But it's just shows super talent, I think. Yeah. I think it could have used some production. <laughs> But I guess that's part of its charm. And absolutely, they should have kicked that fucking drummer out of the band. You know, offense to you, Chad Channing. You should have left earlier and we could have had some Dave Grohl on these tracks. I think it would have been better. Um, well, how did he well, go? You, did you know? Look, oh, if I read the Wikipedia, uh, it would probably say he was crap and they went, you're crap, we want a better drummer. But I don't know. I haven't researched that. I think when you hear versions of um, In Bloom, they recorded a version not long after this that had Chad, the Chad playing the drums. And they made a music video for it too. Um, YouTube, that shit. And then, of course, they redid it on Nevermind with Dave Grohl, and it's strides apart. It's the drums that made it. I think if they'd recorded, let's say this, this, this band stayed together and recorded the tracks for Nevermind, and the Chad's on the drums. Never mind, it's not a big hit. I hate to say it, but Dave Grohl was an integral part of the trio. Mm. Yeah, 
Yeah. As much as I want to slap Dave Grohl in the face every time I hear his name and see his <laughs> stupid face, he um, he has a talent for accenting the song. Like you can yeah. hear the drum track, you know the song. Um, yeah. And, and we is... can be happy that Dave Grohl has now covered his stupid face with a beard, at least. I think you should cover it with a forklift. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Middle of the road, Foo Fighter. Hey, Foo we, he, had, he had his prime drumming for Nirvana. And I'm going to give him, I'm going to give the Foo Fighters their first two records. We, we, you know, I enjoyed those. After that, no, you can go and fucking pull a Kurt, for all I can. Yeah. It was color and the shape, really. And then, yeah. 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 Um, That's enough about he's Dave. just hung around and annoyed me. <laughs> he's, just, he's just stayed there winning Grammys, writing smash hits, all stolen from Kurt. We know he's just re- rewriting songs from Kurt's demos. Anyway, you know what um, song should have been on this album? My favorite song from this era is not on Bleach. Do you know the song Spank Through? That shit is glorious. When we're done here, go and listen to Spank Through. It's early Nevada's best song. It's on like the bonus tracks when they do the um, you know, the special editions. It was one of Kurt's first songs, and it's like three songs in one. It's great. That's great. Um, reading through about this album, what I found interesting is that pop uh, you know, Kurt was obviously very pop orientated and very arty farty guy. He was into photography and poetry and he was you know, all these sorts of things. To get a record deal with Sub Pop, he's, they said that they had to kind of conform to the Sub Pop sound, which was the sludge metal sound you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And so they wrote these songs to sound like what they thought Sub Pop wanted as opposed to sure. what they really wanted to be and there's a lot of talk that he wrote the lyrics the night before and like 30 minutes kind of thing before he recorded songs um the song the lyrics mean nothing they're um uh often about he said each song can be about three or four subjects nothing's related on them lyrically and it was just kind of an album they they put together to get a deal with Sub Pop, and it wasn't particularly the album they wanted to make. Mm. Um, I found it really interesting that it's when they got to a major label, then they were freer to be who they wanted to be. <laughs> Whereas when you're on an indie, you think on an indie, it's like, hey, man, do what you want. But then it was more yeah. constructive of we, we want you to be this way. Whereas when they go to a major label, it's, seems like they had more freedom to be themselves and that also helped them um create yeah i I i think um you're yeah you're right i agree but a lot of nevermind i think was um you know he doesn't get that much credit but butcher vig i think he really tightened up their thing you know i think he was a major part of creating nirvana you know like you listen to early versions of um lithium it's it's not the same. Just doesn't have it, you know. He's even the the famous yeah 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 of the chorus isn't the same. You know, it just doesn't have the same punch. 
So I think they came along and they would have just had, you know, obviously their kick-ass songs that they refined. And you can see it on this album. He's developing his, um, you know, the Cobain aesthetic, the Nirvana. And that obviously flew through into the, into Nevermind. But you can see the difference between Nevermind and In Utero when it became, you know, the band's got more of a say. They wanted it to go and be a blend between Nevermind sound and go back more towards Bleach. I remember reading Kurt always said that he he felt they went too far back the other way. So they went too far away from the Polish Nevermind sound and too far towards Bleach on In Utero. So in effect, he's saying that he never made his perfect album. <laughs> but I think, um, yeah, Butchvig, much credit to that guy for making Nirvana Nirvana. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the many parts coming together, isn't it? The, you know, yeah. the producer, the right drummer, the right songwriter, the right vocals. That's it. Uh, and well, I mean, again, yeah, throw that back to... Throw that back to the Beatles, you know, like the Beatles were four dudes and they had old Pete Best on the drums. They kicked him out. They got Ringo in. They got their record deal. And then they had um, the producer, George Martin. He was, you know, made that band again. So it's yeah, those stars have got to align for sure. And I think Nirvana literally, you know, changed the musical landscape, went from, I don't you know, whether it was Hair Metal or Mariah Carey or Michael Jackson or whatever you want to call it, one album came along. Or literally, it was one song that came along. Smells like Teen Spirit, and it absolutely wiped the slate clean, essentially. And still talked about, you know, three albums, only one of which is you'd call it a classic. You know, never mind the classic. This one, and eh, now. Nah. <laughs> It's good, but it's, it feels like a you know first first album of demos or something. And then a new row, as amazing as it is, if it had a little bit more polish, I think would have been as you know as good as Nevermind. But Nevermind was their only like fully finished work, and that's it. And they're still talked about. What are we fucking thirty years later? Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Still that's making when documentaries. We were- Something that came out when we were kids. Yeah, when I was a kid, we used to talk about the Beatles with my parents and shit. And that was 30 years ago. And it just felt like ancient history. Oh my God, it's black and white and all that sort of shit. Now you talk about Nirvana and it's that's 30. This is 35 years ago. Bleach, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Long time ago, but gosh. Are we going to talk about a modern band? No. Are we modern people? <laughs> Fuck modern music. Next week, Volbeat. <laughs> Next week, Beethoven. Yeah. Um, should try and do something more modern at some point. But I'm, I'm happy going uh, through the greatest hits. Uh, um, hey, it's my choice next this next week, so you can choose as fucking modern as you like. I'm not going to torture my eardrums. My uh, choice. Uh, so how did I feel about it? Well, when I put it on, I hadn't heard it in a while. I was rocking out pretty hard. I mean, this, uh-huh. you know, haven't heard it in a while, stuck it on. I thought, wow, 
Loving it. Um, the drums sound a bit. So it, it, the drumming, the drum patterns he's playing don't quite lift the song enough. They drag yeah. the song a little. Yeah. The, the drums do sound a little like um, it costs $600 to record. Everything else I'm, I'm pretty happy with, to be honest. The guitars and stuff, it's all raw and the vocals, great. Who cares? The drums do feel a little uh, in the wrong place in the mix or something. Yeah. Yeah, the drums are not just perfect. Quickly recorded, bucks. quickly mixed. Yeah. But yeah. that's it. Um, I think six, 600 bucks. You're right. Ripping through it. I was enjoying every song. I found when I hit sifting, that song for some reason created a huge drag. Like it felt like the album could have stopped on Mr. Mustache. Uh-huh. Sifting. I don't know how you feel about sifting, but that was the one for me that went, oh. And then Big Cheese and Downer, I really enjoyed as well after that. I really listened to it again after that, and sifting didn't bother me as much. I really liked yeah. the other two songs, but it just felt like that's the song that hit a snag for yeah. me on this album. Yeah, I mean, look, going 13 songs on your first album when, you know, there's a. Uh, Cover thrown in there. Some, 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 I think some songs could have just been left on the tape and not put on the album. You know what I mean? But hey, it's your first album. We've recorded them all. It costs us six hundred bucks. Put that shit on there. I got out of my decent, epic, borderline and filler rating. I've got uh-huh. about a girl is an epic love buzz epic. Negative Creep, Epic, Scoff, Epic, uh, Big Cheese and Downer, Epic, and I've just got uh, Sifting as Filler, the rest are decent. Yeah. Look, for me, when I track this album on, I know I'm going to get to Negative Creep and then I'm going to turn it off, you know? Like, I think the second half of the album could just be gone. I know you've got some epic tracks in there, but by the time I get after Negative Creep... I'm kind of spent on the sound, you know? So I can yeah, do it. In- yeah. Yeah. I, I felt, yeah, it does. There's not a lot of variation. Maybe about a girl is the one that slows down, but the rest is all yep. pretty much in the same mode. The whole way. It's through. the sludge. Yep. It's the sludge. Same sound. Just put, put your amp on the same tone, push that pedal in. And go again. That's it's the budget, you know. We they didn't have a lot of pedals and bits and pieces, and no producer, just play and record it. But about a girl stands out like a glorious needle in a haystack, you know. Again, it's easily, you know, if, if you were uh, a record label and they said, "Hey, you pick a single off this album," that's the one you'd go with, right? But of course, being a rock band or a sludge metal or a grunge or whatever, this the single <laughs> shut that out. The single was Love Buzz, you know? And it was the cover. It just seems to me like about a girl should have been the single and maybe maybe Nirvana could have got somewhere. Um, um. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's for me, it's the boxy drums do wear on me after a while. And yeah, I do get fatigue around the halfway point. 
but it's yeah. not the song's fault. Like the, the, the songs, the singing, the lyrics, everything, I'm there for the whole thing, really. It's yeah. just it gets a bit much. Well, I yeah. think this could have made yeah. a kick-ass EP, you know? Yeah, six, seven, eight-song EP. Get rid of some of the fluff. And uh, not that it's fluff. Like it's all, uh, it's just kind of samey, you know? Like let's put the big bangers in there about a girl, negative creep, you know, throwing love buzz in there. Blue and Floyd, like I think it starts. Blue, Floyd the Barber, about a girl, school, love buzz. I'm in it. You know, it's feeling good. and then. You know, you get that wah negative crap, and then I feel like, yeah, okay, my you know my energy's gone. You know, I'm I'm, I'm listening to it, rocking out. I'm like, yeah, I'm a negative creep, I'm a negative creep, and then, whoo, I'm done. Let's put on some rock set or something. <laughs> you need an air cleanse afterward, just to get into, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's kind of, I don't really want to say anything negative because I kind of feel everything's pretty damn good. It's just, for me, it just wears on a little. Sure. But if, if you're looking yeah, at it sitting and listening to it concentrated for an hour, thinking about what you're going to say about each song, yeah. <laughs> whereas yeah, if you have it on in the background, you're not paying that much attention to it, I probably have different feelings like oh everything's fine sure. all just but, i was listening to it this afternoon and the whole thing just sort of went by without any problems so you listen to it no problem in the background but this is a this is a podcast about um listening to and judging these albums so you can't put it on in the background you have to listen yeah. to it and be judging down and listening to anything for 44 minutes feels like Doing one thing for 44 minutes feels like a waste of time if you're not multitasking 20 things at once. It feels like you're living yeah. your best life. That's how I feel. Oh. Oh, um, I have a question for you. Did did Courtney do it? <laughs> oh, God, Courtney. Courtney came into his life, and then you got never mind. She improved everything. She's the ultimate yoga. No, I thought, I thought she might. was after was she after? Never mind. She was like after, yeah. Oh, I mean, look, I could again don't fact check our episodes, anybody. Um, but I thought she came like during like the tour, or at least after the making of the album, for sure. Uh, I don't know. Um, uh, why did he do it? Well, we can, he I, was a heroin addict with back pains and probably just oh, mate, being t- a bitch about it. He totally shot himself in the face. Like, there's, yeah, it's that is what it is. Um, it's all over his his music. And if you watch any of those um, those later documentaries that came out, yeah, he's just completely whacked out on smack. He had a kid. There was, oh, I was just fucked up to watch. So, world. Yeah, I there was a bit where he said he was going to put three million dollars in the bank, quit music, and just do heroin the rest of his life. And I thought, you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. Like he's, yeah. and we're Think watching it song, thinking though. he is a baby. Like you know, twenty-seven years old, he was a baby. His thinking wasn't quite. He was on drugs and not thinking like a proper adult. Yeah, yeah, more money than you can um, imagine. So yeah, like bad, bad ending. But you can. <sighs> Would you want to see a, you know, a fifty-year-old Kurt Cobain? Would you want to see? 
where he went. I'm, I'm, uh, it intrigues me, but I'd hate to see Nirvana going from, you know, you see them as like this firecracker rock band, heaps of energy, and then they'd be almost, you know, they'd be worse than what Pearl Jam is now, surely, because they wouldn't have, you can't keep that fire going, right? Well, I watch a 60-year-old Metallica and they're doing pretty damn good on stage every night. Like They're cranking it out 200 nights a year. I watch Megadeth. Have you ever watched? I don't know. You don't probably follow Megadeth at all. Nah, bro. Yeah, not in the slightest. Dave Mustaine, he was a heroin dude back in the day and now he's same age as Metallica and he's got the old man shuffle and he's got the I've had a stroke face and he's kind of, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> imagine Kurt, oh God, if Kurt cleaned himself up, he could be still going, but. um, Yeah, I think he'd be overweight, bald and fucking, you know, he'd be the, uh, yeah, have you seen Aaron, Aaron Lewis lately, the lead singer of Stain? That's who Kurt would be now, just like overweight, singing country with no teeth. What's up, Aaron Lewis? I know you're Googling your own name, getting your Google alerts. Give he us a five-star di- review. He could have disappeared into the background, become a producer and wrote hit songs for Katy Perry and be worth billions. <laughs> K- K- Katy Perry sing- singing Rape Me. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like I a mean, perfect combination. He had a pretty uncanny ear for melody. Like they do the music theory things where they go over Nirvana stuff and the vocal things he does, the harmonies he's with the melodies, he's actually creates really interesting chords with his things and it's very ear catching and a talented guy. He could have gone on and done anything really. He had a speed bump in his life and he, um, um, yeah, like I don't think even if Courtney's a complete. Or <laughs> it's probably not their fault. They were both idiots. Yeah. We can put them on a pedestal, but really they were dummies, weren't they, being stupid? Dummies that could write a catchy fucking rock song, I suppose. Um, yeah, dude was talented for sure. For sure. Uh, skippability for me, again, I'm going to not skip until after negative creep. And then I'm probably going to switch it off. So I'll give it a seven out of, uh, if we go bonus track edition, seven out of 13. You did. <laughs> seven out of 13. Seven out of 13. Because there's 13 songs, uh, tracks. Oh, songs you like. Right? Yeah. So that was my skippies, my skippability. Seven, uh, seven out of 13. Jesus. It's, what? That's a lot. Yeah. Okay, I'd so- skip half this album. For me, skipping, I'd kind of say sifting, but that's even a bit borderline-y. It's not really a filler song. It's just a bit, it doesn't strike me when I'm in that, you know, it didn't really strike me in the moods I was in. Yeah. Uh, No, I mean, I sort of, sifting is my skipper, maybe. Borderline, I guess. Skipping maybe. So you're say. doing you're doing twelve out of thirteen. So you're not skipping nothing. Twelve out of thirteen, but yeah, it's a long ride. That's happy. And you want to do your um your ridiculous cats meows? Ten cats meows. Out of ten. I'd have to give it a seven. 
All right. Seven out of ten. I think I would agree with you. I'd probably go seven and a half, even though I'm skipping half the album. It's just it's fucking Nirvana. You know? You gotta give them some. There's some nothing wrong with this album. It's like a first album recorded six hundred dollars. It's pretty fucking That's great. right. But here's the thing. If this wasn't fucking Nirvana, would we be talking about it? If this was just some band called, I don't know, the Muppet Turds or something. Would we be raving about it? I think I'll be saying this band's going to be great. Right. I think I think in a bubble, oh, sorry, not in a bubble, in a vacuum, this album on its own, nah, I'd be like, eh, whatever. Some, like, grungy high school band, poorly recorded in a basement, I'm moving on. I wouldn't listen to it and go, wow, this is the next big thing, Jim. Sign these guys up. If I was David Geffen, I'd be down on my knees with the pickers in my mouth going, please join my label. I need you. You're yumma, gonna be yumma, yumma, yumma. It's about trust, Gary. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's uh, Nirvana's Bleach. Get it up. Yeah, or at least half of it. Thanks for listening to Pointless and Confused. We believe there's a little thing where you can send a tip if you yep. want. We have no idea how it works. We need cash. Yeah. For whores. And Vegemite. Yeah. Good day. No. Tell them the other thing. Oh, what was the other thing? Subscription. Um, Oh, look, you could could subscribe if you want to, if you want to hear the sound of our sweet, sweet voices in your ear. Whenever a new episode drops, you'll be the first to know. Yeah, we're not sure how you do that either, but you'll figure it uh, out. Well, we're new to this. Come on, you guys. <laughs>